0: Hello everyone, this is such a privilege for me today. Today is the Republic Day of India and I feel lucky to be able to even speak about a very important topic that governs every aspect of our life as a citizen. It's the Constitution. Welcome to my podcast, Little Mind Chats. Minds a little, not our thoughts. Like I said, we will be talking about constitution. And so, we will be talking to an expert in this very subject. P. Puneet is an Associate Professor of Law in the Centre for the Study of Law and Governance, Jawaharlal Nehru University, New Delhi. He has done his BAL, LLB, LLM, and PhD from Bangalore University, Bangalore, Karnataka. Hello, Puneet, sir. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on my show at such a short notice. Welcome.
1: Thank you, Siona. Pleasure is mine. I feel really honored to be on your show.
0: Thank you, and you're welcome. Well, I'd like to start this conversation with an obvious question of why Republic Day is associated with the Constitution.
1: Thank you for the question. Uh, Before uh, responding to your question, wish you all a very happy Republic Day. As you know, the Republic Day is celebrated in India on January 26th. It is on this day in 1950 that the Constitution of India was brought into force. The process of uh, drafting the constitution was completed two months earlier, in fact on 26th of November 1949. The framers of the Indian constitution have taken almost two years, 11 months and 17 days to draft the constitution. After completing the process, it was adopted on 26th of November 1949. November 26th was earlier celebrated in India as a law day. And since 2015, it is also being celebrated as a constitution day. The celebration of the constitution day marks the adoption of the constitution of India. And the republic day is celebrated to mark the bringing into force the constitution of India. It was on 26th of January, 1950 the Constitution of India was operationalized. And twenty-six January was chosen as the date for bringing into effect the Constitution because it was on this day in 1929, the declaration of Purnas Swaraj, complete independence was made by the Indian National Congress as opposed to the dominion status offered by the British regime. So both these days, the November 26th, as well as January 26th are historic days for us, but the Republic Day is celebrated with great fervour and ritualistically in India. It marks the beginning of our constitution.
0: I see. That's something I really did not know. But what is Pune Swaraj exactly? Puna Swaraj is
1: complete independence of, from the British India. That the British have offered a dominion status for India to continue as a dominion of the British uh, Empire, but Indians have, in fact, uh, during the independence movement, that's what I said in 1929, they rejected the offer by the British India, and they wanted a complete independence from the uh, Britishers. Uh, that is what they meant by Purna Swaraj.
0: Oh, I see. Well. But what exactly is the constitution and why is it so important for a nation?
1: Yeah, in fact that is a very important question. To simply put it, the constitution is the law that governs those who govern us. It is the fundamental document of governance. What kind of a governance structure should be put in place? What kind of institutions are to be created for the purpose of governing the country and what powers should be conferred on those institutions, the powers of the institutions that are established for the governance of the country. All these basic and essential aspects relating to governing a country are dealt with in the constitution. So if you look at constitution basically contains the basic principles of governance the structure and process of government government, what kind of government should be established should it be like a presidential form of government like in the case of us or a parliamentary form of government like in the case of uk so this is what is the basic aspects relating to the governance of the country and that is dealt with in the constitution and the constitution also says a number of institutions that are established for the governance of the country which institutions should have what power What should be the limitations on those powers? And most importantly, as far as the citizens are concerned, the Constitution guarantees what are called fundamental rights. And the fundamental rights, which is guaranteed to every citizen, limits the power of the government. They cannot unilaterally change the rights that are guaranteed in the Constitution. And that is the reason why it is said the constitution cannot be used by the government to control the people as such. Essentially speaking, it is an instrument for the people to restrain the government. It limits the power of the government by conferring rights on the citizens. That the government, whether it exercises the legislative power or it exercises the executive power, must do so in conformity with the constitution. They cannot take any measure, they cannot enact any law, They cannot take any executive action which are violative of any of the provisions of the constitution. So, in a legal system, the constitution has a distinct legal sanctity. And that is the reason why it is said that the constitution is the supreme law of the land. Of all the laws that exist in the country, must be. In accordance with the constitution, it cannot violate the constitution provision. You know, if you imagine a normative, imagine a pyramid, you know, the constitution sits at the top of this pyramid. Whereas every laws that are enacted by the parliament, say for example in India, or the state legislature, every rules and regulations made by any of the executive authorities, or any of the actions taken by any of the government machineries, should be in accordance with the Constitution. If any of those things are violative of the Constitution, the principles or the rules that are envisaged in the Constitution, they are to be declared as wide. They cannot be enforced. So, the Constitution is the most important document in a legal system. If any of the laws And executive actions are violative of any of the provisions of the constitution. We also have the third major wing of the government, that is the judiciary. And the judiciary actually, whenever somebody challenges it, any of the measures taken by the legislature or the executive as violating of the constitution, it is the independent judiciary which scrutinizes whether any action of the government is violated of the constitution provision or not. And if it is a violation of the constitution, the judiciary has the power to strike down such provinces. Uh, And in a democratic country like ours, democratically elected governments do not have the absolute power to do whatever they wish to do. This is important for us to know that the democratically elected governments do not have the absolute power to do whatever they wish to do. They will have to follow the constitutional mandate. That is why it is said Indian democracy is not an absolute or authoritarian democracy, it is a constitutional democracy, like in the case of the United States of America as well. The constitution limits the power of democratically elected governments and safeguards the interests of the people. That is why the constitution is very important.
0: Oh, okay, that just means that the government and our leaders lead us And the constitution is above them. It's like the biggest textbook.
1: Yes, yes, it is the biggest textbook and uh, the governments, including the parliament, must follow what is prescribed in the textbook.
0: Yeah, like a set of rules or behaviors for a school. Yeah, but I don't know if this is actually in the constitution or if it's in the law or whatever, but why did they do a parade in Delhi? Uh,
1: it is, of course, not in the constitution. The constitution does not even say that the Republic Day must be celebrated. That is a the practice that we have started since the beginning. The uh, celebration of a Republic Day to mark the beginning of the constitution. And... Parade is one of the salient component of the Republic Day celebrations in New Delhi since the beginning. It is indeed a very spectacular event. The Parade basically showcases, number one, India's defense capabilities. If you have seen the Parade in the past uh, through TV or otherwise had an opportunity to see it, you may have seen that all the equipments that our armed forces use are displayed, uh, most particularly the finest ones. It demonstrates to the world what India's defense capabilities are. And that is not the only thing that is showcase during the Farid. It also showcases the unity and diversity. It showcases culture and cultural and social heritage. And also advancements we have made in various fields. Different regiments of the army, navy and air force also march during the Farid. The president of India, who is the supreme commander-in-chief of the Indian armed forces, all the three forces take the salute from the three defence forces. Uh, indeed, if you have seen that before, uh, it is a three-day event. It ends with an event called "Beating the Retreat" on January 29th. Every year, it is celebrated three days after the third day uh, of the Republic Day event. 26th is the parade where you witness, and 29th you see. An event called Beating the Retreat, Uh, it is performed by the bands of the three wings of the military, Indian Army, Navy and Air Force. Uh, Their bands perform uh, in front of the Rastafati Bhavan and the Republic Day celebration ends with the ending of that event called Beating the Retreat. So uh, these are the celebrations that are associated with the Republic Day. Uh, And as I said before, uh, it is not the constitutional mandate. Constitution doesn't say anywhere that it should be celebrated. But uh, this is how uh, these celebrations are held to mark the beginning of our constitution. And it also serves various other purposes of uh, displaying our uh, military capabilities uh, to the rest of the world and of celebrating our unity and diversity and our culture, our heritage and the advancements that we have made in various uh, fields, including the space science and all that, everything will be displayed as tableaus uh, in the processions that are held.
0: Wow, that is surely a very proud display indeed and an inspiration for us. But why do some people get awards? And what what kind of things do they do to actually get an award?
1: On the Eve of the Republic, the President of India distributes what are called Padma Awards for the civilians. And these awards are the highest civilian awards in India after Bharat Ratna. If you look at, there are like four important awards that are granted apart from the military awards or honors that are granted. I'm talking about the awards that are given to the, the civilians. Bharat Ratna is the highest civilian award that is uh, uh, given to anyone for their contribution apart from Bharat Ratna there are three other awards uh, they're all called Padma awards they are also of different categories in a way the second highest civilian award after Bharata Ratna is called Padma Vibushan. that is generally granted for exceptional and distinguished services uh, and after Padma Vibhushan we have an award that is known as Padma Bhushan. That is also given for distinguished service of the IS Harder. That is the third IS Civilian Award. And the fourth IS Civilian Award that is uh, given during the Republic Day or on the eve of Republic Day is uh, Shri. That is also given for distinguished services. Uh, that is the, uh, as I said, the fourth IS Civilian Award. These are the four important awards that are given uh, on the eve of the Republic to honor those who have rendered Distinguished services for the country.
0: Oh, now that's something I never knew. And, well, that's some good deeds from the people who actually get the award. I think they do deserve it.
1: Yes, it is also processed. The selection is made by a committee who would verify the credentials of uh, those whose names are considered. uh, And then the, the awards are announced. And uh, it would be a proud moment for any Indian to get any of those uh, awards.
0: Yes, I bet it would be a very proud moment for such people. And I do hope some of my listeners get motivated and try their best to uh, win an award that like highlights them in their country.
1: Yes, absolutely true. And they can aspire to be the youngest recipients of the Padma Award as well.
0: But I do hope some do get inspired.
1: Some of the Indians who have been serving abroad, but brought a very good name for the country, have also been given uh, Padma Awards. There are very many examples like that.
0: Oh, that's something that we can all do, right? Well, but why is Sardar Rallabai Patel such an important figure when it comes to Republic India?
1: Uh, yeah, well, that's also a very important question. Everyone knows about Sardar Vallabhbhai Patel. He was our first Home Minister. He played a key role in India's Freedom Movement. And he was also a part of the Constitution making. He was one of the prominent members of the Constituent Assembly. Constituent Assembly is a body that drafted the Constitution of India. Uh, his greatest contribution was that He united 500 plus princely states to build the Republic of India. Oh. Uh, As many would know, India got independence through an act of British Parliament. British passed finally the India Independence Act of 1947 that liberated Indian princely states. When India got independence, there were 500 plus princely states that were there. Each of them were independent in some way, but subject to the paramountcy of the British.
0: With the passing
1: of the India Independence Act of 1947, what was called British paramountcy has actually lapsed. As a result of lapsing of the British paramountcy, each of the princely states have become independent. There was no legal requirement or any kind of requirement for them to be necessarily part of the Union of India. And it is Sardar Vallabhbhai Patel who played a key role in convincing them, bringing them on board, and then uniting them together to build the Republic of India, uh, what we know today. Uh, and his contribution there is, in fact, really unparalleled. That is why Sardar Vallabhbhai Patel uh, is, in fact, a very important uh, figure uh, in India's independence movement. Uh, and in constitution-making and also in uniting India and establishing the Republic of India.
0: Well, he is definitely very inspiring and I can weigh my salute to this great man who has a huge statue as tall as 182 meters, now in Gujarat. I wish I can visit that someday.
1: Yeah, surely. And the statue, if you know, is called as a Statue of Unity. Oh. That signifies its role in uniting India.
0: Well, that's something I should go with all my friends. Yes, So. Well, thanks a lot, Puneet sir, for coming on my show. And explaining to us kids what the constitution is and what the importance of it is.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Swayona. It was a great pleasure, in fact. And uh, thank you very much for having me on your show. And uh, wish you all the very best in all your future endeavors as well.
0: Thanks a lot. Thank you. So, did you learn anything new in today's episode? I certainly did. All these years, Republic Day just meant another holiday on my calendar. But I'm amazed that it's a day our ancestors across the whole country proudly declared that India now has its own constitution. I wonder how that must have felt though. I really hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. Please do follow me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn and Twitter. As always, thanks you for listening and do share it with your friends. Happy Republic Day and one day Mataram. Bye-bye.